Welcome to Are You Karate Kidding Me? Your podcast source for Cobra Kai and Karate Kid recaps and analysis, plus items of interest from all around the Miyagi-verse. Yeah, we like to tool around the Miyagi-verse, which we've been doing for a while now. Gosh, I guess we've been podcasting for about mm, eight or nine months now. You know, we were so impressed with the Cobra Kai series that we wanted to do this show to recap all of season one, and assuming that season two ever came out, we would be doing that as well. Good news, season two is on our doorstep mere days away at this point. This is our preparation for season two, including our series of recaps for season one, setting us up for future analysis. Today's episode is a doozy, because we are at the season one finale. Which is called Mercy. Yeah, so you want to just jump right into it? Let's do it. I mean, we know that the last thing we saw before this episode started was Daniel and Johnny had both found out at the same time that Daniel was training Robbie, who is Johnny's son. Daniel has shut out Robbie. Johnny has driven away in fury, despite the fact that he and Daniel were becoming friends. Meanwhile, Miguel and Sam are on the outs because Miguel saw Sam with Robbie and was lathered up because he hadn't been able to reach her and assumed that she was cheating on him. And thus, in trying to start a fight with Robbie, accidentally hit her. So everything is terrible, except for the fact that Hawk got to hook up with Moon, which I'm sure makes them both very happy. Now we're going into the All-Valley Tournament. There were a number of dun-dun-duns at the end of the last episode, and now it's time to pay them off. Yes, what happens after the dun-dun-dun? Well, let's answer those questions. Let's get right into it with Cobra Kai Season 1, Episode 10, Mercy. way to start an episode called Mercy but with a queen montage. I mean we want it all and we want it all right now. It's the All Valley Tournament and it is going down at what looks like the All Valley Sports Arena which is actually the Matadome or the Matador Gymnasium on the campus of Cal State University. At least it looks for externally like it's the same from the exterior shots, like the same location. In fact, they shot this in Atlanta, of course. We open with a montage of all kinds of different karate students in different colored geese getting ready, concessions being prepared, the new blue mats being lovingly wiped down, and Queen singing, I want it all. Unlike other episodes, this episode kind of unfurls itself in a matter of hours, I think. Right? Yes. Like, this is all one day compressed into this 30-minute chunk. Aisha, Hawk, Miguel, and Bert standing outside the arena wondering where Johnny is. Bert says, actually... I saw him last night at the mini mall. I was buying a carton of milk when I heard him in the parking lot yelling. Bert mm-hmm. spotted him while coming out of the Nestor Mart with some high-quality porn. And there he sees Johnny relieving himself against the LaRusso Auto Group license plate on his new car. Everything all right? We're all gonna die, kid. We're all gonna die. This leads to the Cobra Kai kids worrying about Johnny's erratic behavior, basically saying that 
his normally erratic behavior is even more erratic than normal. Well, he was screaming, we're all going to die. And Miguel, meanwhile, is in a total rage because of what's happened with Sam. So he's like aggro, punching the air. But not to worry, because here comes Johnny. The kids are like, well, we thought you had ghosted on us. And Johnny answers with, I may not always win, but I never back out of a fight. And that's why we love Johnny Lawrence. Speaking of endearing things Johnny says, that leads us to the very next scene, which is Johnny giving a distinctly Cobra Kai pep talk in the lobby of the arena this pep talk he's talking about the third lesson of cobra kai right he's taught them to strike first strike hard and now he's going to talk about no mercy that sometimes basically life treats you like crap but you have to keep going and he also says choice details from his own experience without too many specifics that the kids look confused by because what the hell is he even talking about johnny's speech about the quality of no mercy and what it means to him is quasi-inspirational, but he delivers it with such passion that the kids can't help but get hyped up. And then as a capper on top, Miguel gets out his training gi to head to the locker room, and Johnny's like, no, 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 I've got something better for us, and we'll see what that surprise is in a moment. The thing about the speech that Johnny's giving is that it's like, you gotta keep going, right? That's what Johnny sees No Mercy as, but there's Mm -hmm. a subtext there that you don't give a shit, you kick ass, you're Cobra Kai, which sounds cool, but at the same time, there's an undercurrent of the more shit that happens to you, the more you're entitled to strike hard. There's a serious undercurrent of bitterness here, right? And so it's like your bitterness justifies your demanding a win that I don't think comes across necessarily to the kids. Johnny's bitterness, I think, is nonetheless contagious to them. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So, yeah, and then when Miguel pulls out his gi after they've cheered, you know, Cobra Kai, and Johnny says he's got something better, we can wonder what the Cobra Kai kids are going to look like when they come out. But we'll have to leave that for a moment. Do you want to jump across town to the LaRusso Mance one more time this season? Here we are at the LaRusso Mance where Daniel and Sam are both sitting in their pajamas on their smartphones on the couch. Amanda comes in and is like, We've got to go to the All-Valley Tournament. We're one of the main sponsors. Uh, And, of course, Daniel wants to sit it out because he's so angry about Johnny being in the tournament and all these things that are happening. And Sam wants to sit it out because she and Miguel now have all this bad blood. So take a look what you've done. Because, baby, now we got bad blood. That's right. Amanda says yet another one of her amazing uh, voice of reason things about... So your boyfriend turned out to be a jerk, and your boyfriend turned out to be the son of your mortal enemy. Amanda has her own pep talk to give as she tries to coach these gloomy gusses, these Debbie Downers, if you will, from sulking on the couch. Her main point is that LaRusso Automotive is a mainline sponsor of the tournament, so for none of them to be there is a non-starter. Somebody has to go. Her get-up-and-go speech is a little bit undercut by uh, the weight of obligation. Indeed. But it works, because the very next scene, we've got the Karate Council admiring their handiwork at getting the arena gussied up and deploying those new blue and gold mats. When Daniel struts in... Look at him strutting around like he's cock of the walk! ...with Amanda and Sam and Anthony. And since Daniel is the big champ, he gets the royal treatment when he walks in the door. Sue, George, Daryl, and Ron are all thrilled to see him. And as soon as he comes in, he sees one of the banners that they have set up to commemorate the 50th anniversary, showing various great moments in the history of the All-Valley Tournament. And, of course, there he is, Daniel LaRusso giving the crane kick. That look of pride on Ralph Macchio's face is so great. 
The tournament begins, and we see that Daryl is thrilled about those blue mats. Yeah, we're ready to get this tournament started proper. We cut up to the stands to where we see Rosa and Carmen take their seats. Carmen is anxious as always because she obviously doesn't want Miguel to get hurt. Rosa is a little more chill, partly because she has perspective, but also partly because she said she smoked a joint on the way there. We then get the LaRussos taking their seats next to Topanga Karate Mom. What is her name again? Her name is Patricia, and she's played, played by Suela El Atar, and she is amazing. She's all dressed up in her own gi with face paint, and she's already cheering aggressively for her son Xander. And you can see that Amanda is traumatized because this is the platonic ideal of the Karate Mom she hoped to avoid. Amanda is, of course, much as she predicted earlier, woefully self-conscious around the Karate Mom. It begins, and all the different dojos are announced. We know that the dojo Topanga, they are the current reigning champs of the Valley. Then they announce Cobra Kai is returning, and they all come in doing their Cobra Kai chant that is a variation of the one from the Karate Kid. They're all in black geese with yellow trim. Looks very familiar. We are now fully back in 1984, and Daniel is not thrilled, and Johnny is not thrilled to see Daniel. But then they announced that there's someone who's fighting unaffiliated, and that would be Robbie Keane. We've got Robbie Keane fighting unaffiliated, you know, which Wearing a I, black belt. How did he get that black belt? Who stole it for him without Mr. Miyagi here? Well, I think only black belts can be in the tournament, right? So therefore, everyone must get a black belt somehow. And I wouldn't put it above Robbie to just beg, borrow, or steal to get his just so that he can get in the tournament. And you bring up an interesting point is that What is driving Robbie to compete now that he has no sensei? Is he there to prove something to Johnny? Is he there to prove something to Daniel? Or maybe is he there to prove something to both? Well, he's clearly proving something to himself first and foremost. But after he comes out, we begin the tournament. And the first fight we see is Miguel using the crane kick on another karate student. You can tell that Johnny told him to do that just to gig Daniel, who looks pretty pissed off. And Johnny is is satisfied at the look on Daniel's face. We cut to see a lot of other Cobra Kai students that we love, like Aisha kicking ass out on the mat. Daniel famously ended his tournament with a crane kick, but Miguel's going to start his tournament with the exact same crane kick, just as a statement move, you know? Sam is also hacked off about that. We progress then through the rest of the montage of people fighting. We see Aisha kicking ass and Johnny being really excited and yelling, good job. Like, Johnny's such a good teacher. Like, he Mm -hmm. can't help himself. He's haunted by the idea of a badass sensei, but he's just so nice to these kids. And then we see Robbie kicking ass. We see all these different people just doing it. And Hawk's got a lot of aggression. Actually, is this the moment at which Hawk strips off his gi top and show lets his Hawk on his back fly? Of course it is. I guess that means his parents aren't at this tournament. Or it's all worth it because he makes Moon swoon. And Dimitri just doesn't understand why on earth this works. But it does. Mm-hmm. You know, kicks get chicks, at least for Hawk. Dimitri and Moon are up in the stands basically giving us the... Muppet Show style commentary on the uh, proceedings at hand. Personally, I don't care for puppets much. I don't find them believable. I don't believe you. (laughs) Moon is, of course, enamored with everything Hawk does, and Dimitri is gobsmacked that any of this is going on, really. (laughs) This is one of my favorite moments because they show Bert, played by Owen Morgan, getting teed up to fight a bigger kid. Mm -hmm. In this moment, you know, all the Cobras are yelling, come on, Bert, let's go, Bert, way to go. And Johnny holds up his fist in solidarity in the Swedish gesture. And it's also like a benevolent echo of Kreese's evil 
Solidarity Fist and the Karate Kid yes. in the run-up to the semifinal. It's so cute and interesting to see Johnny doing that for Bert. And then Bert gets his ass kicked. Sadly, Bert is Cobra Kai cannon fodder in this case, much as Dutch and the other Cobras were in the original Karate Kid movie. He gets knocked out of the tournament pretty quickly, but I'm sure he'll be back to fight again another day. So then we've got Miguel coming up against a pretty formidable acrobat doing lots of flips and stuff like that. Miguel kicks his ass and he catches Sam's eye like hopefully and Sam looks disgusted. Meanwhile, Robbie is also kicking ass. At this point, Hirokota, the stunt coordinator, is, is the referee for all these fights. We see Robbie also knocking out a guy. They're holding up his fist as the winner and he and Johnny make very awkward eye contact. We can also tell that Daniel is super invested in how Robbie's doing and like, you know, fighting along in his head with Robbie. Meanwhile, Aisha is up against Xander from Topanga, and she gets in some very good kicks. Unfortunately, Xander has the drop on her and sweeps the leg. This is a moment that I sort of saw coming at the end of the last episode recap when I said that Aisha's learning some good lessons from Cobra Kai, but she may also not know how to deal with her feelings as a result of it. And here she's pretty angry about losing. Like she tells him to eat shit and walks off the bat. There are a lot of little glances askance in this scene as everyone is doing karate, but also trying to get emotional validation from all of the other characters. We've got Miguel glancing to Sam, Daniel glancing to Robbie, Robbie glancing back at Johnny. There's quite a bit going on emotionally and character-wise, as well as a lot of sweet flips and kicks. It's a tournament for hearts as well as minds. Indeed it is. One thing I love about this little montage is that there's a question of like, what's anyone going to do about all these feelings? And the minute that Aisha storms off the mat, um, you know, and Johnny tries to encourage her and he's like, you'll get him next time. And she can't even. So she storms off. And then we see Sam watching her and Sam's like, I'll be right back. And Daniel's like, okay. Yeah. Sam's going to do the right thing and go find Aisha. Aisha knocked out by some flashy moves by the, one and only Xander Stone. Someone should have told Aisha that Xander is being played by Talon Chat, who's actually a very formidable stunt performer who was in Marvel's Runaways. Oh, yeah. In this universe, he's just floppy, derpy Xander. How is she to know that he would be so very versatile? Speaking of Xander, I think that brings us up to the semifinals now. So after all that shuffling, we are now down to Xander from Topanga, Hawk Miguel from Cobra Kai and Robbie fighting, still fighting unaffiliated. It's interesting because the introduction to the semifinal and final is overlaid with Sam going out into the hallway to find Aisha and sitting next to her on the bench. Aisha doesn't want Sam's pity, but Sam stays there with her anyway until she can think of something better to say. And meanwhile, in the arena, we've got the guys taking their bows You can tell that when Hawk takes his bow, Dimitri is so irritated that Hawk gets to be known as Hawk rather than who he really is, which is Eli Moskowitz. When Robbie bows, everyone looks super awkward. And then when Xander bows, he does a fun flip and super entitled, like takes the mic to give a speech while his karate mom cheers in the stands. Xander's speech is really interesting to me because we know that so much of the Miyagi-verse is dealing with bullying. And Xander gives a speech about how we, even though we all love to fight, we all have to take a stand against hatred. Mm-hmm. Rather than focusing on that speech, the show cuts back to Sam and Aisha. And so it's interesting because you've got this kid speechifying about, you know, peace and love. I'm warning you with peace and love, but I have too much to do. 
So no more fan mail. Uh, anyway, peace and love, peace and love. But on the bench outside, the two women on the show are reconciling as Sam tells Aisha that everybody saw her kick Yasmin's ass at the party and admires her gi. They are closer to becoming friends again. And that's the real way to, I think, deal with ugly feelings is to talk rather than speechify. It's a really cool moment. I think the thing about Xander is that the show wants us to know that while Xander is a paragon of virtue he is also a straw man he is too earnest for his own good nothing will come with that he's not he's too two-dimensional to be taken seriously however the people who are not two-dimensional are sam and aisha who we cut away to we get this very nice moment between them where sam and aisha basically do do all the work to patch things up and they're really genuine with each other sam admits that being friends with someone like Yasmin was wrong. She admits that Aisha has a cool gi, even though if Daniel ever saw her wearing it, that he would have a heart attack, quote unquote. It's a very nice moment between these characters. I'm just so thrilled in this episode so far. I really thought that the show would try to have a resolution surrounding Sam and Miguel, like maybe having them reunite or something. And I'm so happy that the writers understood that the real reunion that Sam needed was with her friend, right? Not with a guy, but with her friend, her best friend. Like, that was the place where amends really needed to be made. Sam is not going to find happiness in relationships, certainly not this season. But what she can do is she can reconcile things with her genuine friends, uh, the people who have been good to her in her past. And I think that's a really great place for her character and for this show to be in closing out this season so meanwhile xander's still talking yes meanwhile xander is still talking his mother looks on adoringly and he's asking everyone to have a moment of silence you can see people in the audience confusedly look down and johnny avails himself of this moment to tell miguel kick that pansy bitch in the face which is a sign that at this point johnny's still sort of a child And whereas Johnny just sort of says it as a throwaway line, Miguel looks a little too serious when he replies, yes, sensei. Uh, He has a real Anakin Skywalker moment here. (laughs) Yes, my master. (laughs) Yeah, like Anakin Skywalker on the cusp of becoming Darth Vader. Yeah. Miguel's first opponent is Xander, who comes out swinging. And of course, Miguel is at first thrown off because Xander is quite the acrobat. But Mm -hmm. he's got some defenses and moves of his own. He gets one in on Xander. He's really revved up and like yelling. And of course, Xander's a really convenient opponent for Miguel because we've already seen him be kind of an idiot. He's entitled because he's the incumbent and he's already made a kind of derpy speech. So we don't really care if Miguel kicks his ass relative to the other people who are on the mat waiting to go up. Xander is very much in the same role that Daryl Vidal was in the original Karate Kid. Like he's someone that Johnny can fight and 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 look cool fighting uh, without us being too worried about it. But again, Xander's way more proficient than Miguel. Um, it's just that we we believe that Miguel's lessons from Johnny have equipped him to deal with someone with that many ruffles and flourishes. Yeah, Miguel has pure aggression on his side, and that is going to be enough to carry him through this fight with the very flashy moves of a Xander stone. Miguel beats Xander, and of course Xander's mom is pissed. And next up is Hawk versus Robbie Keane. And Amanda is irritated at Daniel because he's not clapping along and once again brings the realness. He's not my student. Right? I, Amanda, I can't. 
kid lied to me. And Amanda's like, so he lied so what? He's a kid. Amanda quickly points out that not only do kids lie all the time and kids do dumb things all the time, I guess, but she points out that Robbie is still fighting unaffiliated and he's fighting against these Cobra Kai kids. So even if he may have withheld something from Daniel, his allegiance is still not with Johnny. It's just that, you know, he had some other motivation that Daniel appealed to. Daniel doesn't want to be the bigger person, which is ridiculous because... He's not the kid here. But when the fight is beginning, Robbie comes onto the mat and he looks so enraged and he's giving the evil eye to Johnny. And Johnny looks pretty miserable looking back at Robbie, right? Like he knows that this is not about karate. This is about their relationship and that Robbie's really mad at him. And Hawk seeing Johnny's face looking at Robbie asking if something's the matter. You know, Johnny's like, no, go do your thing. It starts off in a kind of an odd place. But Hawk, of course, is ready and even does a little fist bump with Miguel, just like the Cobras did in the original Karate Kid. Yeah. And hops up on the mat. And man, Robbie looks like he wants to kill everybody right now. Hawk is coming with even more raw aggression and anger than even Miguel can muster. I mean, the whole Hawk-Miguel dynamic is very interesting the way it evolves throughout the season to where at this point... At the end of the season, they are two peas in a pod, essentially. So this fight gets underway, and this is the point where Daniel, having processed what Amanda mentioned earlier, he can't help but try and coach Robbie a little bit from the sidelines. Robbie is kind of put off by Hawk coming so strong at him, and Daniel just shouts at him, Remember what you learned, Robbie! Robbie looks at Daniel and nods, and Johnny looks at them both and is like, What the hell's going to happen now? This is terrible. And then, even though Hawk had dropped him, Robbie takes Hawk back down because he takes a moment to find his balance, right? He flashes mm-hmm. back to his time on the log. With his newfound balance, Robbie can make incursions against Hawk and kicks his ass. And, of course, they regroup and prepare to go again. You know, Hawk tells Robbie, That was a lucky point. It's going to be your last. And Robbie goes, Why? Leaving early to fix that stupid haircut? And even though they're supposed to take their sides, Hawk, because he has no control over his anger, pushes the ref to the side. Hawk's temper gets the better of him. He then kicks Robbie's shoulder, potentially dislocating it. Uh, This results in Hawk being instantly disqualified. Robbie, in addition to going to the finals, goes to the locker room to try and get his shoulder back in shape. That scene where Daniel's like, remember what you learned, Robbie? is so Star Wars. Like, it's just like the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi saying, use the Force, Luke. Let go, Luke. You know, Robbie's down with a hurt shoulder. Hawk is pulled away and disqualified. And, of course, you know, pissed off about that. But Johnny runs out on the mat to try to help Robbie. Like, in this moment, Johnny loses himself in terms of being the coach of Cobra Kai and instead, like, runs out to make sure Robbie's okay. And Robbie is not having it and says, get the hell away from me. And of course the ref tells Johnny to get back to his side. So at this point, Daniel sees that Robbie has nobody. Johnny has a pretty emotional journey in this episode where fresh off of his betrayal from the last episode, he's trying to process a lot of emotions and that's leading him to have like these little moments where his emotions get the better of him and he wants to help. Well, it's his son, right? I mean, it's his kid. Meanwhile, Robbie is escorted off to go get help, and Daniel sees that Robbie is alone. Of course, Daniel 
is going to learn from Sam going after Aisha and that Daniel is going to go after Robbie. Yeah. When Johnny is told to go back to his side, he bops Hawk on the shoulder and says, what the hell, man? And Hawk says, well, I suppose you'd be a pussy. We can see because this is Johnny's own language about not being a pussy back to himself. Johnny is left with the spoils of that, right? Looking at his own son being let off the mat. This leads to the locker room scene. And Daniel comes in. He takes this moment to have a heart-to-heart with Robbie. It's a very nice scene. They're both very apologetic to each other. Robbie says that... I'm sorry I lied to you, Mr. LaRusso. I just wanted to get back at him. Daniel, you know, reiterates... I know. But you're never going to find balance that way. Daniel says... Robbie, you're... Dad and I, we have our issues, but you and him, that's another story. And you need to put your feelings for your father in a more healthy place, is basically what he says, right? Like, he is your father. Yeah. And, and he says, I'm not saying you need to like the guy. I know I never will, but... Right. Which is hilarious, because it's like, that's one of those moments when a character tells you something about their own journey that they don't realize yet, which is probably that Daniel and Johnny are going to have to be friends. The other great thing about this moment where the sweetheart of Daniel LaRusso that we remember comes out is that he says, Mr. Miyagi always told me there is no such thing as a bad student, only a bad teacher. And your dad had the worst teacher there ever was. It sent him down a wrong path. In this moment, we get a cutaway to Johnny sulking on the periphery of the arena where he immediately encounters a framed photo of John Kreese, his own bad sensei from The Karate Kid. You know, they do this really nice shot where Johnny's reflection is lined up just right in the photo frame, and it shows him, like, kind of ghosted on Kreese. In addition to being visually interesting for us, the audience, it's also, you know, emotionally unnerving for Johnny to kind of see himself reflected and not wanting to be the kind of sensei that he had. It's funny because... You know, it works, obviously, but if you've watched this episode a hundred times, it begins to dawn on you, wow, they went from Cobra Kai being banned because of the illegal actions of John Kreese and others to, okay, because it's the 50th anniversary, we just happen to have this nice picture of John Kreese making the Solidarity Fist. We're going to put it here in the hallway. (laughs) Exactly. I guess that's also why they have the extra Miyagi-Do bonsai tree logo to put up on the scoreboard when Robbie changes sides. That's weird. But you know what? I mean, with LaRusso Auto, God knows what kind of printing technology their sponsorship has enabled them to have. Yeah. I'm sure Daniel just It's keeps California. Those- I mean, in California, they have Halloween dances. They have men in chicken costumes all the time. Mm-hmm. They have always hot dogs on the beach. And of course, there are just bonsai tree decals lying around. That's the way it is in California. That is the way it is. <laughs> So Daniel and Robbie seem to have patched things up, although Daniel does this very corny thing where Robbie is complaining that his shoulder is killing him and he's not going to be able to do this final match or find his balance without some help. And Daniel practically spikes the camera and starts rubbing his hands together, just like Mr. Miyagi did in The Karate Kid, and then immediately drops the bit and calls for a medic. Now, when we first saw this, I was like, that is ridiculously cheesy, and I do not accept it. And you were like, oh, they totally earned it. It's possibly the corniest bit in all of season one, but you know what? <laughs> like, if, they, if that's the corniest they get, then I'm all right with that. 
I feel like Daniel's role as he finds his balance in season one is like karate father knows best. Father knows best. And so if he wants to be a cheese ball, that's fine. He's a wholesome dad by way of Okinawa. He's Fred McMurray trimming a bonsai tree. Like, <laughs> Wow. Meanwhile, all the Cobras, even the ones who aren't competing, are out stretching on the mat. And we see Sam and Aisha coming back in from their reunion. Miguel takes this opportunity to run over and try to talk to Sam. Miguel, desperate to patch things up with Sam, runs right over to her. And he's like, Look, I'm sorry about what happened the other night. Sam is, of course, not there for it and not hearing it. She's like, when you hit me? Yeah, Miguel's point is like, You have to strike first. You don't wait for the enemy to attack. He couldn't wait for any sort of explanation. When you see someone being in your territory, you have to strike first. And Miguel says, I wasn't trying to hit you. And she's like, You shouldn't have been trying to hit anyone. You don't even know Robbie and you're trying to start a fight with him. And Miguel's like, You bring some dude to the party the other night and expect me to be okay with that? By saying that, we see from Miguel that he sees Sam as like territory and that just by talking to a guy, that is grounds for him to strike first, making that guy an enemy. Yeah, and that's no bueno. No, Sam's like, I feel like I don't even know you anymore. Mm-hmm. Which she doesn't, really. Sam goes over to tell Amanda that she needs to leave because this is just too much and really too upsetting. This is a nice moment because you know, the last time we saw Sam substantially relate to Amanda, Amanda grounded her. But we see that Amanda, being the awesome mom that she is, like gets it and decides it's time to go, taking Anthony with them. And poor Anthony was just beginning to learn to love real karate. The other LaRussos decide to bounce, leaving Daniel there to Uber home, I guess. (laughs) But yes, that brings us to the final match. Unbelievable. We are here. We see that Robbie is having a medic relocate his shoulder with uh, Daniel LaRusso's reactions and the sound of a crunch (laughs) providing the dramatic heft of that scene. But Robbie's going to fight. Daniel's like, you don't need to fight. And Robbie's like, yes, I do. This is about confronting Johnny and processing that. And Robbie knows it. he can't back down. Just like Johnny. He may not always win, but he'll never back down from a fight. Robbie getting his first aid is pretty visceral. In fact, I think he spends the rest of the match like kind of nursing that shoulder and basically not using that arm, which is going to put him at a severe disadvantage going into this final match. We see Daryl out there on the mats that he had championed excitedly leading us in, introducing Miguel as everyone cheers. Carmen's so proud. That's my son. Teeing up to introduce Robbie Keane, who is fighting unaffiliated. And then Sue runs out, another board member, to tell Daryl some news mirroring Allie coming out and the Karate Kid in the final fight to say that Daniel LaRusso is going to fight. Now, Sue tells Daryl, Daniel LaRusso is going to coach. Daniel LaRusso is going to coach! Daryl is definitely feeling it. As he says earlier, it's karate time. And he's very jized that uh, Daniel LaRusso is going to coach. It's so funny because there have been at least, let's say, 20 or 30 champions in the history of the All-Valley Tournament. And yet Daniel is the champ, probably because LaRusso auto-underwrites so much of this tournament. Now, now, that I, I can't imagine that there was a more spectacular finale than the 1984 All-Valley Championship. Not even not even the fight against bad boy Mike Barnes was quite as explosive as that 1984 match. Before the fight begins, Johnny and Daniel walk out on the mat to talk to each other. And 
you know, Johnny's like, what do you think you're doing? And Daniel replies, coaching my student. And I mean, it's a dig, but it's also the truth, right? Mm-hmm. And then Johnny says, you're going to regret this when it's over. And Daniel, with some resignation, says that right, like this will ever be over. It's basically the theme of Cobra Kai. Mm-hmm. So they return to their sidelines. The lighting in the arena has completely been reset for this grand finale. Pretty epic. Miguel comes out, as you would expect, super aggro. It's, it's pretty brutal. Miguel's like, don't worry, I'm going to go get him. That's his attitude. Daniel has told Robbie to just keep his focus and no aggression, let him come to you. And when Robbie uses Miguel's aggression against him to throw him back down on the mat, getting the first point. But Miguel is ready for more and like beats his chest and cranks up. And Johnny's like, remember the pitching machine? Miguel comes out with renewed focus himself, kicks Robbie's injured shoulder, then punches him in the chest and drops him to the ground. We're tied one to one. The Cobras are cheering along from one side. Johnny looks satisfied with himself because, you know, his student beat LaRusso's student for a point. But this won't last for long because now Miguel comes out, has realized Robbie's vulnerability, and now is targeting his injured shoulder and sweeps his leg. Yeah, Miguel targets Robbie's shoulder again. He sweeps the leg again. He gets himself a second point, and Johnny looks worried. And Daniel runs out and calls time. And, of course, Miguel is like, time? Like, Miguel has turned evil on us. Um, He's not like slaughtering younglings. This is a different universe, but it's still pretty bad. So Miguel is sent back to the sideline to sit on the mat while Robbie deals. And Miguel sits down and like nods at Johnny like, I got this. Meanwhile, Robbie, this is played pretty well by Tanner Buchanan and Ralph Macchio. Like, like Robbie's on the mat in pain. And Daniel runs out and is like, look at me. Just remember to breathe and focus. And, And encouraging him. And the way that they shoot it is so good because even though Miguel's looking at Johnny and Johnny's coaching Miguel, supposedly we see that Johnny's entire focus is on the painful expression on Robbie's face and that he's listening to Daniel. Once Robbie is down on the mat, Miguel does the standard Cobra Kai finish him where he like he punches Robbie while he's down. The referee then breaks it up, sends everybody to their corners. Daniel, of course, comes out and uh, gives Robbie his words of encouragement. The ref wants to know if Robbie's good to continue. Robbie, still clutching his shoulder and not using his arm, says, okay. That tees Robbie up to get back in his corner, and once the referee lets them go, he does his kata. This is pretty cool, because Daniel's, you know, clapping like, come on, Robbie. Like, Daniel has faith that Robbie can still do something with himself, even though Daniel doesn't know what all Robbie's capable of, because he's been practicing in secret, right? And Johnny, meanwhile looks concerned like Johnny is no longer in it to see Daniel get beaten he just wants Robbie to be okay and and doesn't know like he has a sick look on his face like no matter who wins or loses it's not going to be good yeah they're facing off Robbie manages to block Miguel each time despite his injury and then Miguel comes out swinging pushes Robbie to the edge of the mat until he's almost out of bounds and then Robbie surprising Daniel gets up on one arm and the hardest kick in Miyagi-Do launches himself with his good arm and kicks Miguel with both feet Yeah, Robbie defies all convention as he performs the new super-secret Miyagi-Do kick. And then, because he's found his balance, Robbie gets up and offers Miguel his good arm to help him up. And instead of taking Robbie's good arm as an offer of help and sportsmanship, Miguel reaches over and yanks Robbie's injured arm. This has been irritating Johnny all match, and at this moment, as the ref tells everybody to go back to their corners, they intercut as they show Johnny looking upset. The scenes of Johnny targeting Daniel's injury because Chris told him to do so, right? So yeah. we see Johnny making the connection that 
Miguel is now doing the very thing that he did in order to try to beat Daniel in 1984. And of course, like every martial arts fighting movie, Robbie goes to the sidelines, the injured one, and Daniel's like, I'm going to tell them to end it. And Robbie's like, no. No. Let me finish. Don't want to do it. But, you know, as Johnny Lawrence says, I may not always win, but I never back down from a fight, right? That's what Robbie's learning how to do. Exactly. Everybody is sick to their stomach. And this is the moment. Johnny's flashing back to 84, not wanting things to go down the same way, although things are going down the exact same way. Johnny's like, I know we want to win, but it's got to be the right way. We don't have to fight dirty. And Miguel's like, dirty? There's nothing dirty about winning, sensei. I got this. No mercy. You know, that's the lesson that Johnny just taught Miguel this morning. No mercy. Mm-hmm. Johnny looks like he's going to throw up as Miguel walks back onto the mat for the final round. Of course, Robbie's there holding his arm. We see Daniel looking over at Johnny and seeing the expression on Johnny's face. Daniel isn't even angry at Johnny as much as everyone's just sort of horrified. And Robbie comes in for a kick. And at that moment, Miguel just grabs his leg and kicks the living shit out of his injured shoulder. Over and over again, his shoulder. Miguel gets the point that lets him win the tournament. That does it. With that, Miguel is our new 2018 all Valley Karate Champion. Who saw that coming, huh? I know I didn't. The crowd in the stands erupts, and I have to say, they've done a much better job looking enthused this whole show than the crowd in the original Karate Kid. You know, when everyone stands up to cheer for Miguel, Rosa, his grandma jumps up right away, and Carmen, his mom, looks a little startled that he's won. She can't believe it, and also she's looked a little concerned about the aggression on Miguel's face. Yeah. Carmen looks weirded out. Everyone rushes this mat to congratulate Miguel. Robbie walks off the mat. And at that moment, we see Johnny coming out not to join the revelers, but to try to talk to Robbie. Yeah. Once again, Johnny tries to move to Robbie to provide some sort of consolation, some sort of gesture. But no, the Cobras grab him and pull them into their reverie. Miguel takes the opportunity to dedicate his trophy to Johnny. By this time, Robbie has gotten away from Johnny yet again. And Daniel standing there with Robbie on the sidelines for a moment, looking so angry at the whole thing. And as Miguel is dedicating that trophy to Johnny, we see the the kids start the Cobra Kai chant. But the camera moves. Cameron Duncan, the DP, doing such good work here. The camera moves to show Johnny just wanting to get off the mat to talk to to Robbie. And he does. With the trophy in his hand, he goes after Robbie and Daniel before they can leave. And, And this is probably the most beautiful moment in all of season one. When Johnny says to Robbie, Robbie, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, Johnny finally gets his moment to apologize. But of course, this is probably not the most receptive moment for Robbie. Even if it were a better moment and even if they were both totally sincere, it may still not have worked. Johnny says, I'm sorry. And... I think Johnny's prepared for whatever because Robbie's always been so angry at Johnny. Mm -hmm. Always has angry words for him. But in this case, you know, with Daniel looking on like what the hell is going to happen, Robbie takes Daniel's advice to heart and shows Johnny mercy and says, It's okay, man. It's okay. And 
I think that for Johnny, who looks down kind of in shame and with the gravity of that, I think that's Johnny's lesson in mercy. As you say, it may not be the best moment, but it's the best moment they could have. So Robbie turns away and says, let's go, Mr. LaRusso, and walks off to get his trophy from George, who's standing there waiting to give it to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's when Daniel looks at Johnny, and Daniel also isn't aggressive. Like, I think at this moment, even though Daniel's really pissed off at Johnny, he realizes that Johnny was irresponsible. He didn't want this on purpose. He just doesn't have control over the situation. Daniel takes the moment to basically pulls an Aesop's fables on Johnny and drives home the point, which is... You got what you wanted, Johnny. You won. Congratulations. Took you 30-odd years, but you did it. Johnny gets exactly what he wanted in the worst way possible. So off they go. Although as they walk away, we see Johnny with a little smile on his face or not a smile but like a a, he's moved in multiple directions by that situation we also get a a little bit of more exposition with miguel as he pulls dimitri aside to find out where sam went of course dimitri delivers the information that sam bounced quite a while ago so she didn't see any of the finals also dimitri delivers probably his best line of the season i'm reconsidering joining cobra kai I'm still not into the idea of getting hit in the face and all, but I respect the safety and numbers aspect of joining a gang. Miguel doesn't even have any swagger at this point. Like, before talking to Dimitri, his mom and grandma came over to congratulate him, and and he's just distracted. Like, he's like, I just got to talk to somebody. The aggression has melted away, or at least is at bay for a moment. And Miguel, I think in his warped mind, defeating Robbie was tantamount to proving something to Sam and maybe hopefully getting her back. But of course, Sam's already gone because she couldn't take it. Yeah. So Miguel is left just sort of standing there forlorn, not comprehending exactly what has happened to him. Miguel is obviously confused because in his mind, he did everything right. He went by the Cobra Kai mantra and tried to get what he wanted. But Did he really think he could win her back that way? I don't think he thought. I mean, that's the point, right? It's this attitude of what makes me feel good must be the thing that will get me what I want. Yeah. What made him feel good was to beat Robbie's ass. But in reality, that's not justice. Instead of being there to talk to Miguel, Sam is at home. Cut two. Sam is at the dojo. She didn't need Miguel. What she really wants is karate. At the LaRusso manse in the dojo, looking at the picture of her and Daniel moving it to a more prominent place in the room as the camera pans to show Daniel's original gi with the Miyagi-Do bonsai tree on it. Bonsai tree. She does a really sweet super kick, giving us the idea that maybe Sam will take up the karate mantle uh, in the season to come, and we will just see how that works out. I love the music that plays there. It's so like John Hughes' 80s triumphal moment. Oh, for sure. Cut to night driving. We're back in the car with Daniel and Robbie. They're having another moment of a heart-to-heart where Robbie is holding his second-place trophy and Daniel is being genuinely encouraging, telling him that... So no matter what that trophy says, you're the real winner. He's the real winner of this tournament in Daniel's mind. And Robbie, of course, still feeling some goodwill toward Johnny or some clarity about the situation. I'm sure my dad's happy too. Now Cobra Kai's going to take over karate in the valley. It just goes to show you how little children understand their impact on their parents mm-hmm. or how much a parent can think of their kid because, of course, Johnny wasn't happy the last time we saw him. His kid got hurt because his own student was so unsportsmanlike. So 
Daniel goes, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, Daniel's like, Over well, my dead body. maybe not so fast. <laughs> I have something to show you. And Robbie is, of course, being snarky, like, as they pull up to a mysterious darkened house, Robbie's like, Is where you bury your bodies or something? Daniel's like, no, even better. Um, <laughs> they pass the fender of a familiar convertible, and as they round the corner of the house, Daniel flips on the lights and shows Robbie the all-new Miyagi-Do Karate, built evidently on the site of Mr. Miyagi's home from Karate Kid 1 and 2. It looks really nice. It looks like Daniel's been taking good care of it. Daniel's like, welcome to Miyagi-Do Karate, turns on the light, and there we have Mr. Miyagi's garden, just the way it was when he was training Daniel in karate. And there we go. Daniel has now laid the seeds for an all-new chapter of Cobra Kai. What a finale! Yeah, what a finale. And with that, we end season one of Cobra Kai, episode 10, Mercy. Mercy. Oh, but wait. There's more. There's one more scene because... Yes, that's right. (laughs) Cut back to the Cobra Kai dojo where Johnny is quietly contemplating the trophy over a bottle of whiskey. Johnny's looking at his drink and that trophy... You know, you can tell that he's got some hard work ahead because his students have gone off the rails and his best student, who was the sweetest kid, has turned apparently evil, or at least selectively evil, when that bell on the Cobra Kai door sounds, Johnny yells, Miguel, hoping that it's Miguel and that he's going to have to get to work straightening him out. Mm -hmm. But instead, a mysterious shadowy figure appears in the doorway and he intones, Congratulations. In the most sinister way. There he is. The silhouette of the biggest villain of them all. That's right. It's John Kreese returned from apparently the dead a second time. Yeah, this man will never die. What is dead may never die. What is dead may never die. Yes, exactly. Looking and sounding a bit like Will Ferrell doing a cameo. Yeah, it, it really could be Will Ferrell as John Kreese. We just don't know. But no... It's him because he steps out of the shadows as Johnny looks truly terrified and says, You did what I always thought you could do. You want everyone closed the book on us. That the real story's only just begun. So yes, Martin Cove is now back in the mix. With that, we really end Season 1, Episode 10, Cobra Kai, Mercy. Wow. Wow. So, Jenny, now is the time... For the last time in season one, I turn to you and ask, what do we think of this episode? This is one of the best TV season finales, I think, ever in terms of the challenges that these people set out. The tonal challenges of making it funny Mm -hmm. and dramatic and moving the characters further down the line. When we first saw this, we had no clue who would win the All-Valley tournament. Yeah. Because, you know, who knew you could even fight unaffiliated and... All that, like, I'll, I'll accept that. Like, sure. But, like, what we didn't know what could possibly make us feel good or resolved Yeah. after the well-devised cluster that was episode nine. Yeah. So I just think this is amazing and terrifying because, of course, John Kreese is back. I think this episode is particularly powerful in the sense that it really keeps you guessing about what's going to happen right up to the last minute. I distinctly remember on our first watch through genuinely wondering who was going to win the tournament because there really were no angels in this scenario. 
And I thought, well, it's very possible that Miguel could win, but then it's equally possible that Robbie could win because they both stand for a certain thing. Miguel started out more like Daniel in the beginning, right? He started out as a a real underdog who, through hard work, eventually made something of himself. You know, he's still Cobra Kai, so uh, he made himself evil, but uh, <laughs> but it was in the same mold as Daniel. However, Robbie, who is the son of the bully from the Karate Kid, he started out from such a morally dark place. Does he deserve to win, even if he had been coached by Daniel all season to try and be a better person? Would that be enough to redeem him in the end? And I think that was the real magic trick this episode pulled, was taking these two characters that were from polar opposites, kind of inverting them, flipping them around, and then pitting them against each other in the final and creating a situation where, unlike the original Karate Kid, where we kind of always knew that Daniel would come out on top, they created a situation where we didn't really know who was going to come out on top because it was so morally gray. If you had told me in like episode three of this show that I would be rooting for Robbie at all, I would have been shocked. They totally sold me on all this. I think that it was really great and heart-wrenching to see Hawk become so aggro. I mean, he was always sort of a welter of ugly feelings, but it's hard to see that we can't just enjoy it like we are now watching it do things that hurt people. Mm -hmm. That's the hard challenge that these showrunners have with this show, and they've done a great job so far of striking that balance, and I think season two, their challenge is even more heightened because John Kreese is back, and Cobra Kai is all about situating the different perspectives that people have, right? Mm -hmm. So on one hand, there's the bully, but the, the bullying role can switch back and forth. And so that's the challenge that this show faces is they do such a, a good job of humanizing all these different points of view. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that all sides are equally innocent or equally guilty, right? People do things and they matter and they hurt other people. Yeah. In this episode, the people who do the most aggressive, unfair, illegal things are Cobra Kai's. That's the pain of this is seeing that we can't just have a party and talk about things being badass or call people pussies without it coming back like that matters how you do these things matters and johnny has now learned that lesson too like we kind of may intuit it along the way Mm -hmm. but it's not that we can't have guilty pleasures on this show because these are real lives for the showrunners and i really commend them and appreciate that because with a show like cobra kai one of the reasons i didn't want to watch it is because i didn't want to see them making bullies into heroes and that's not what happens in this episode this is the one where we learn the real moral orientation of the show. Like it's set in stone that you can't run away from doing bad things. Wow. So yeah. So any final thoughts as we wrap up this first season? Well, we see that Johnny wins on paper, but loses in his heart. Mm -hmm. And Daniel's protege loses on paper, but he and Daniel win the moral high ground at the end of this season. And I'm curious what they're going to do with that with their respective positions as a result of that. It does bring up a number of what ifs, for sure. I just feel so bad for Johnny because you can tell because of the way Billy Zabka plays it that he's really learning these lessons hard and fast and he's going to try to make it right. That's why he anticipates that Miguel's coming in and takes a drink to strengthen himself. Instead of having a chance to make it right, it's already gotten much worse for Johnny. What about you? What do you think? Like you said, this seems like a defeat for 
Daniel and Robbie, but it does inspire Daniel to formalize Miyagi-Do into its own karate dojo. And it can't help but make me think, like, what if Robbie had told Daniel much sooner the truth? What if they coached each other through the tournament and and Robbie won it? Would that have spurred Daniel to do the same thing and make Miyagi-Do into a proper dojo? Maybe not. Once the tournament is done and all the characters are kind of set for the season, it teases us with a number of possibilities. The thing with Sam doing her sweet flips and kicks teases us with the possibility of Sam joining one of the dojos next season, being a a real karate player in this game of karate thrones that we've constructed for ourselves. Yeah. It makes me think of Miguel and what could possibly redeem Miguel because right now at this point it seems like there nothing I could bring to mind would make me think that Miguel is redeemable except for the fact that Miguel still hopes for Sam in a way that is less make me a sandwich and more like I need to connect with her right right so we can see that Miguel is still Miguel but he's got this new layer that is twisting him yeah how can that be undone or how can that be fixed when Johnny is just learning all this himself and now Crease is back it's interesting because now that Daniel's opening the dojo, what does that mean for Daniel's business? Mm-hmm. And and what does that mean for his marriage and all those things? Like, I think that's going to be, because of how real they play to these characters, like, that's going to be a real concern. These are things the canon only will be answered in season two. Indeed. Indeed. So, do we want to talk about our plans for season two? We do. Yes. Colin, take it away. So, here's the thing. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the show, and I love the way that... YouTube does give us access to the entire season of the show to binge all at once. You can watch as much or as little of it as you want. You can follow along with us and watch an episode and then listen to an episode of our podcast or whatever you want to do. That's fine. But it does present a logistical issue for us because there's no flipping way (laughs) that we could produce all 10 episodes at this level of quality that we want and release them all at once with the new season. So we are going to have to go back to some sort of schedule, probably bi-weekly, where once season two drops, we'll start dropping 10 episodes, one for each episode, bi-weekly, so that eventually we'll have recapped all of season two by the fall. Yes. However, we know that people don't watch the show that way. They will binge that show pretty much within that first weekend, or at least all the serious Cobra Kai fans out there will. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a special episode, which will be a reaction episode to all of season two, and we'll do that first. So that will drop as quickly after season two drops as we could possibly put out an episode. So we will record that probably the night of, you know, as soon as we've had a chance to process what we've seen. And we will drop that pretty much immediately. We do have a slight advantage in that we did see the season two premiere at South by Southwest. So we can already start like planning our first couple of episodes after that. So our next episode is going to be the season two react episode where we're going to look at all of season two as a whole and we're going to share our feelings about that. That will be a spoiler filled episode. So if you are watching a few at a time, do not listen to that episode if you don't want to be spoiled. And we will 
warn you again when we do that episode. I would say that when that season two reaction episode, we will begin with some general thoughts and then we will give you a spoiler alert and move straight into spoiler territory. Mm -hmm. So come for the beginning and turn it off midway through or stay to the end, depending on how you feel, Mm -hmm. uh, how much you've watched. I'm really excited about this because I know that they're going to torture me. This is a karate soap opera. I just want Daniel and Johnny to be friends, to have the coolest dojo ever together. But they got some work to do before then. So we'll just see how much of that work gets done in season two. I'm hoping there's another sing-along or at least some kind of chill-out moment that Johnny and Daniel get to learn again that they're different but same. I'm not going to share a wish list beyond that, but just saying, like, I really can't wait. And it's going to be hard in that reaction episode not to talk about everything at once, but to put it into a few select reflections because I'm super excited. I plan to talk about everything at once in that episode, for sure. Season one spends a lot of time, like, mirroring the early Karate Kid movies. You know, they do bring a fair amount of their own material to it, but at a certain point, we are going to kind of bump up against the end of what original material they have to pull from. And I'm very excited to see what new directions that the show goes that are unique to Cobra Kai that aren't necessarily pulled from the original source material, as it were. You know, it's funny because this season has had these moments in the story that have echoed story beats in the original Karate Kid. And so I'm curious now what pattern Cobra Kai has set that they will then echo in their next season. Absolutely. Is there always going to be an episode nine, like Johnny Daniel moment? Like, is there always going to be a weird juxtaposition of winning and losing in the finale? Like in this season, the midpoint was Miguel kicking everybody's ass in the cafeteria in episode five and Daniel finding his balance. So like, what's going to be the big midpoint moment in season two? Like those things I can't wait to discuss. Wow. Well, there you go. That's it. That's it. That's season one. We did it. We did it. We got season one in the can. We are the little podcast that could. I can't wait to join you next time, and I can't wait to join our listeners next time as we talk season two. It's going to be very exciting. Thank you for listening, everyone. We've had such a good time. Yes. And um, we will be seeing you around the Miyagi-verse for Cobra Kai season two. See you around the Miyagi-verse. This podcast has been produced and hosted by Colin Canada and Jenny Carlson. Our music is by Cheppo. You can find us at Karate Kid Pod on Twitter. And wherever you download podcasts.